On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we want to talk about forgiveness. It's a complicated subject and one that we need to, to understand. Clay Gentry's with us tonight. And, Clay, uh, you've got some material, and we won't get through it all, but um, lots of stuff we need to understand about forgiveness. Oh, we do, and I really appreciate y'all putting these questions together, but uh, there's at least five hours' worth of material here. So did y'all pack a lunch? No, we're not going to do that. We'll keep it uh, short tonight. We'll uh, get started right after this. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you to the virtual bible study for thursday uh this is october 20th isn't it uh 19th not october 19th 2017 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is out of uh, town tonight preaching and uh clay gentry is sitting in his seat clay thanks for coming to be a part of the program tonight hey my pleasure and uh monty overton sitting beside me monty welcome to the program thank you jacob it's good to be here good to be with you glad that you're here and uh kyle's behind the board kyle uh, get that microphone there. It's good to be here as always. Yes, we've got a room full of uh, folks ready to talk, and hopefully you're ready to talk on the other end of the line at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com and in the chat room if you're watching us live on the program tonight. Not a lot of folks in the chat room. We've got a little bit different video feed going out tonight, uh, but uh, we'll uh, look forward to you getting your comments there at uh, thevirtualbiblestudy.com if you can have that open in another browser window to share your comments there. We'll probably miss them on uh, if you're on YouTube tonight or Facebook, but uh, send them in at uh, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We're talking about forgiveness tonight uh, with Clay Gentry. Before we get started, we've got a gospel meeting starting here uh, uh, on Sunday, a few days from now. Um, you want to check out more about that at our website, collegeview.com, where you can find out the times and uh, speakers and topics. Uh, be here if you can uh, for that. Um, and... Um, Tonight we're talking about forgiveness. Clay, uh, you've got some material on your website. Give folks that, that address. Sure. It's uh, claygentry.com, C-L-A-Y-G-E-N-T-R-Y.com. It's right there on the uh, front page. There's eight lessons in the series. Back in right. June for a gospel meeting. Okay. And we're going to kind of cull some out of that tonight, but they can all find it all there. All right. And we asked some questions earlier in the day. Uh, those questions were... Uh, they've sent to your inbox. If you're on our list of uh, our distribution list, you can sign up. I send us your web, your email uh, to questions at collegeview.com. We ask in a world that we live in a world that minimizes sin and feels no guilt for sin. Actively working on that, by the way, the world's actively trying to minimize sin and remove all guilt for sin. Uh, we need to understand why we need forgiveness, and so we ask you, why do we need forgiveness? Number two, how and when should we confess our sins to others? Number three, what attitudes will help us forgive others? And number four, what problems arise from failing to understand or accept God's forgiveness? And number five, should we forgive others even if they don't ask our forgiveness? And if not, does it mean that it's okay to be bitter until we're asked to forgive? We have some responses to those questions. We'd welcome your responses as well as uh, you join in the program tonight. Uh, before we, As we go on here, uh, Clay, um, we need to understand 
our need for forgiveness is a foundation, a fundamental uh, topic in this discussion of forgiveness, is that we need to see ourselves as in desperate need of forgiveness. Sure. You know, when uh, the Apostle John is writing in 1 John, uh, there in chapter 1, he says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. All of us have sinned. Paul says in Romans, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us has committed atrocities against God. We've committed iniquities. We've committed um, evil. We have deceived ourselves. And uh, if we don't understand how sinful we are, then this really this whole topic of forgiveness, particularly the forgiveness that we receive from God and the forgiveness that we extend for others, is for naught. Yeah. Because um, I think, let's see, let me check my notes. Yeah, yeah. Luke chapter 7. Uh, a simple woman comes to Jesus seeking repentance, and there's a, ph- a Pharisee in the crowd, and uh, Jesus calls himself out on how the Pharisee sees himself. And uh, he says, those who are forgiven little, love little. Yeah. They love God little. They, there's no need to love God greatly if you really haven't needed his forgiveness. And we won't love others if we haven't needed God's forgiveness because of how great we are. That's right. And so it, it is a, it's a compounding problem. If we don't understand our need for forgiveness and how God has forgiven us, we don't love we won't love God as we should. We won't uh, be have the forgiving spirit we should have to others. Right. Uh, in Matthew chapter 18, you remember the uh, story of the man who owed uh, 10,000 talents and uh, was forgiven that debt. And then he went and uh, had someone who owed him just a, a measly amount, and mm-hmm. he was unforgiving. He, had, right. he did not appreciate the forgiveness he'd been given. He didn't understand that. Right. And uh, look at the problems it caused him, and Christ makes the parallel then here for us. Uh, with our attitude uh, towards others. So uh, certainly we need to understand uh, sure. forgiveness. Absolutely. And our need for it. Um, we asked that question earlier today. Uh, Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, says we need forgiveness because of the reality of sin. He references Romans 3.23, as you did, Clay, and Romans 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. Because of the reality of sin and separation from God by our sin, there is also uh, there is of great necessity for all individuals to be forgiven of sin he references Isaiah chapter 59. Uh, Isaiah chapter 59, uh, verses 1 and 2. Uh, there, if I can get these pages to turn, uh, says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is ear heavy that you cannot hear, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated from you from your God, and your fa- your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He will not hear. A desperately uh, terrible situation that we found ourselves in. And sin, oh, uh, separated from God and, and need, needing that uh, situation to be rectified. Absolutely. But, you know, the other part of Romans chapter 3, which, which has already been referenced uh, and which is often referenced in regards to the fact that all of us have sinned. Uh, but the next verse says, and you are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation. Everyone has sinned. But everyone who comes to God, well, I think the next verse, or going back, verse 22, yeah, there is no distinction with God. All people can be saved if they'll come by faith and receive the grace that he offers through Jesus Christ. 
Right. So we can't minimize it because it inhibits our relationship with God, and it will, as we'll see, inhibit our relationship with other people. All right, 877-381-4567 if you'd like to qu- uh, comment uh, tonight. Uh, Monty, I think uh, there are folks uh, all over who don't realize their need for forgiveness, don't realize how much God has forgiven them, and we probably have been in those in, in nails at times. We've got to constantly remind ourselves of the terribleness of sin and, and how much uh, we've needed God's forgiveness. You know, in the culture that we live in, in, our, in the country we live in, the time we live, uh, people have got this great sense of self-importance and self-worth, and they think, oh, we're just so incredibly valuable. And even in a lot of religious circles, people I've heard people talking about how valuable we are to God and we're, we're so important to him, and that's why he sent Jesus to die for us. But they, the focus is all on us. And, and really, if we had the accurate representation of where we are and our standing in things, we'd understand that we're lower than the dirt. I mean, we're, we're really bad. Having sinned, we've become repulsive to God. It's not that he places such value on us, but it's because he, but we do have to understand that he loved us enough to provide for our salvation. So we, but we don't need to get an overinflated ego on this. We need to understand that really we're positioned as pretty low. And when we understand that, then we can have a proper relationship with God and understand that our sins have put us in a bad spot with him, and we need to get that taken care of. Nothing inherent made us uh, attractive to God that he wanted to... Uh, he wanted to send his son. You know, when us. we sin, we've made ourselves disgusting to God, not attractive to All him. All right. 877-381-4567. Clay, your thoughts? Oh, uh... That's all right. Hey, it's been a long day. That's all right. Everybody has to... I'm sitting here looking at the next Everybody question. can put their mind. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, Kyle, any thoughts for, on that side of the board tonight? Everything yeah. looking good over there? All right. Um, uh, and we have an email from Clay or Chris in Georgia, uh, Atlanta area. He says, we need God's forgiveness so that we can be in eternity with him. We need forgiveness from others so that we can live peaceably with others. Romans 12:18. And be right with God. Additionally, we need forgiveness so that we can guard our influence. Interesting and good comments uh, from Chris tonight. Yeah. All right, Romans 12, uh, verse 18. Glad you got. Yeah, there. it says, "If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men." And um, I mean, he's he's right, particularly taking that avenue of forgiving one another, offending one another. We need to seek to do everything we can. I and mean, we'll get to that in just a moment, probably with the next next question, mm-hmm. right. about living at peace uh, with one another as best as we can. And uh, and 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 so we're we're going to have to understand that we're going to need forgiveness from time to time That's right. from our fellow man. That's right. And uh, and be willing to ask for that. Our next question we'll get to on the other side of the break is how and when should we confess our sins to others? The Bible's clear that we need to be confessing our sins uh, when I've sinned against you, but uh, maybe even just uh, in general. If I may not be a sin against you, I need to confess my sins to you. Um, And so we're going to talk about that on the other side. We'd like your thoughts on that. As we talk about forgiveness, Clay Gentry has been kind enough to join us, as well as Monty Overton and Kyle behind the board. And we're glad that you've joined us as well, and we'll look forward to your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. 
I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in the study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thank you, and we'll hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the virtual Bible study. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight as we talk about forgiveness. Certainly, we need to understand that we need forgiveness. As you mentioned, Clay, if I don't understand that, it's not gonna, I'm not going to love God and appreciate what he's done for me. Absolutely. I'm going to have a hard time forgiving others. I'm, I'm going to be up on that high horse. And, what, you want me to forgive you? Yeah, no. I, wanna, I won't be forgiving others as I should. I have an inflated view of myself which will cause other sins in my life. Um, And so we've got to understand our need for forgiveness. Now to the question, how and when should we confess our sins to others? Well, let's talk for a moment about what is confession. To -hmm. confess means to say the same as. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say the same, but let's make it confessing to God. I'm going to say the same thing about my sins as God would say about them. So uh, I've just turned to Psalm 32 This is one of the confessionary psalms of David. And just listen to the words that he uses to describe his sin. Uh, We don't know exactly what sin this was. Uh, It could just be sin in general. But he calls it uh, transgression and sin in verse 1. He calls it iniquity and deceit uh, in verse 2. And you could pair that with Psalm 52, which is the psalm that was written after Nathan confronted David right. with his sin, about his sin, oh, I'm sorry, 51, with uh, his sin uh, with Bathsheba and Uriah. He calls it uh, a transgression. Uh, he calls it in verse 4 an evil. Uh, the idea from verse 7 is it's a filthy stain yeah. that needs to be purged and to wash uh, it's filthiness again in verse 10 because he needs to be clean. Uh, he's weakened by his sin because he needs to be renewed and restored. It's casting him from God's presence. Uh, yeah. He feels that uh, that his sin is always before him. He sinned against God and God only. He's not minimizing that. Yeah, and that's he's what, not minimizing it. And he's not and, and for for right or for wrong. And I, cause you can't judge everybody's heart. But but how often do we hear just people say for, in, a, in a public prayer, Lord, forgive us of our sins. That's a really broad term. And that may be as deep as you can go in a prayer like that. It could be. But uh, uh, in confessions to others and maybe to God, in in private prayers to God, we may just say, forgive us, and not really uh, feeling the weight of our sin. That's right. You know, a transgression or iniquity um, or or an evil. Um, When's the last time you prayed, God, forgive me of the evil in my heart? Mm-hmm. I, I, I think most people listening tonight don't think of themselves as evil. Kim Jong Un is evil. Yeah. I, I'm just I'm just a sinner. Well, I'm a lot better than him. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know. You are Monty. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, this is rebellion against God. This is profaning God's name. 
And this is what God wants us to do when we confess to him. He wants us to say, he wants to hear us say, God, I'm thinking about my sin in the same terms, in the same way, and the same severity as you think about it. So when we go to somebody, to them a sin, so I've wronged you in some way, we need to be thinking about how does that person think about my sin? And when we confess to them, hey, I'm sorry, we need to be doing it in terms that that they can hear or that they will hear and that they will accept and do rise to uh, the hurt that they're feeling in your heart. I'll tell you, the worst person that I, I do this with is my wife. She'll call and you didn't do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, hey, whoa, wait a minute. And I want to explain myself. And I think somebody once said, uh, don't ruin a good apology with an excuse. What I need to do is I need to get over myself and say and think, okay, how would I want to be treated? Would I want my feelings to be recognized? Would I want my emotions to be acknowledged? Would I want you to consider the hurt that you've inflicted upon me? What do I need to be doing? I, I need to be confessing to you in the same language and in the same way as you see the sin that I've committed against you. So don't put a but in at the end of your uh, <laughs> confession, right? right? Yeah. That's right. I, uh, yeah, Bonnie, I'm sorry that I cussed you out, but if you hadn't cut me off in traffic or it's, you know, put some blame on you, I need to take all the blame. I did wrong, and please forgive me. You know, it gets back to our, our overrated, overrated uh, egos, and we think too highly of ourselves, and we want to make excuses about things when we just need to be accepting that really I'm not any better than anybody else. You know, we was kidding a minute ago, I'm better than Kim Jong-un. But he's a human, he's made sins, and he needs forgiveness from God to be right with God. I'm a human, I've done sins, and I need forgiveness to be right with God. Right. So in effect, I'm not any better. And that's, I think when we realize that, that I'm not any better, my sins may be different than yours, and my temptations and weaknesses may be different than yours, but they're not all even on that, and we all need God, or we're going to be lost. Right. You know, to kind of help us with this, uh, something that I discovered uh, was a book by uh, Gary Chapman called The Five Languages of an Apology. And uh, for, people may know his his better-selling book, The Five Love Languages. Uh, but he wrote a book called The Five Languages of an Apology that helps us understand how to tell somebody we're sorry. Because uh, for some offenses, you can just say, Hey, Monty, I'm sorry. And that's enough. That's really all that's needed. All five of your t- or four of your tires on your truck, you might want to hear me also say, What can I do to make it up? Yeah. Um, we need to go beyond just an apology sometimes. And so what he says is we need to express regret. We need to say, I'm sorry. I apologize. We need to accept responsibility for what we've done and say, I was wrong. We need to make restitution. Sometimes we need to say, hey, what can I do to make this up? Maybe it's buying four tires for your truck. Maybe it's taking your wife out on a date because you got a babysitter and bought her some flowers and you want to tell her how much she really means to you. Uh, you need to genuinely repent. You know, I think we set ourselves up for failure sometimes if we say, I'll never do that again. Because sin and temptation are always present. Uh, you know what? I'm sorry for what I did. I, I, I'm going to make changes so that that's not going to be an issue or won't be as strong of an issue. And then finally, you know what? We need to ask for forgiveness. Saying I'm sorry is not asking for forgiveness. It's just apologizing. We need to really close the deal 
and ask, hey, will you forgive me? And, you know, Jesus talks about this. In Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, when he says, uh, you've heard it said of those of old, this is verse 21, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to the judgment. And he goes on to t- talk about, uh, you know, look, murder's bad, but you know what? Anger and hate and name-calling and slander, all that's bad, too. Right. And then he gives us this parable, uh, or he says in verse 23, if you're offering your gift at the altar, remember someone has something against you, leave your gift, go reconcile, and then come back. Come to terms quickly with your accuser. Uh, it, the different translations are, are quite a bit different there. The New American Standards is a, is a mouthful there. Um, but come to terms quickly with the person who has something against you. Yep. It's not about me. It's yep. about them. I had to buy a van one time. We were fourth child was coming. We had a Buick Rendezvous. We would absolutely drove the wheels off that thing. And uh, I, uh, I, I just knew I had to get something. I happened to be driving by the Nissan dealer here in town. He had just the van I was looking for. But I had to close a deal right then and there. I laid out. I said, I got this much down. I need this much on trade-in. I, I want a payment that's right on target with this. No more, no less, and this and this and this. You want to sell a car? Call me. Guess what he did? He came to terms quickly. <laughs> and he called me. And, 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 you know, we closed the deal. When we've wronged somebody, we can't let it linger. What a temptation it is to present to somebody, Monty. What a temptation it would be for me to know you've got something against me, but I don't care, and I won't come to you. And Jesus says, when you somebody's got something against you, go to them. Resolve it. How do we do that? By confessing. By talking to them in a way that, that really communicates to them our sorrow and in words and in terms that they can receive and understand and not what's best for me. Matthew 18, verses 15 and on, talk about when yeah. we have been wronged going to them. Both of those passages, as you referenced there in Matthew 5 and then in, um, in Matthew 18, uh, indicate an urgency of taking care of the problem. And yeah. I'm, I'm afraid sometimes folks like there to be a problem. Oh. Maybe they can hold it over somebody's head or maybe they can use it... Uh, to their advantage, or maybe they just don't care. There's some people that aren't happy unless they're angry. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and sad, and, there's Christians like that, too. And we'll let this issue fester for right. a couple of years or 20 years, and we'll take, oh, I, I, we plan on taking care of it sometime. We'll come to terms sometime. You know, we'll right. shake and make, you know, make up. But th- God tells us you need to confess your sins. You need to do it now. Right. And, you know, and, and sadly, people come to Matthew 18 and beginning with verse 15, and they read this as a standard operating procedure for how the church should discipline somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's not what it's about. Because if you go, it's the parable of the lost sheep introduces going to a brother who is living in sin. This is all about bringing about reconciliation. Mm-hmm. It's all about saying to somebody, I love you. And what you have done or what you are doing is wrong. And I, I want a relationship with you. I want this to be more than it is. I want you to have a relationship with God deeper than the one you got because it's kind of shallow the way it is. And uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah. And um, sadly, uh, I, I hate to say it, but sadly too many people, as you pointed out, want to stir it up instead of simmer it down. Or, yeah, or they're just not concerned when it is uh, yeah. rocky and there, there are problems. It ought to be something that we are not going to sleep until we take care of it uh, because it's that important. 
that we confess our sins to each other. Well, a lot of times I think we let these things linger on because if if you've got this problem, then I can feel superior to you. You know, I'm be- it's yeah. back to I'm better than you. I've got this big ego thing going, and we're not realizing where we stand with things. And if they've got this problem. I have a moral obligation before God to go help them fix it. Absolutely. Whether they've sinned against me or if I'm just aware of it, I'm supposed to be going to help other people get their lives right with God. That's my obligation as a Christian. But if I'm not doing that, then I've got a bigger problem than they do. Right. Okay. That's right. Um, Good comments, and let's get to comments from our listeners. Chris in Atlanta says, We should confess our sins to others if we have sinned against them or if we have publicly sinned and brought reproach upon the local body. We can also confess our private sins to someone if we're seeking their help and overcoming that sin. Thank you, Chris, for those thoughts. And Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, two Georgia commenters tonight. If it wasn't for Georgia, we'd be in bad trouble. Hey, he says uh, there's a divine requirement for fallen Christians to confess sins. First John chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. The case being that the term confession is properly defined as admission or agreement implies that a Christian needs to make an admission or agree to the fact that they have sinned based upon knowledge by others of such sin. God knows all things, including sins, when they are committed, Hebrews 4.13. A Christian, therefore, needs to confess all sins to God in order to be forgiven of them, Acts 8, verse 22. So far as a confession to other individuals, a Christian needs to make such confession to others who have knowledge of such sin being committed. He references James verses chapter 5, verse 6. When a Christian sins and by such sin brings reproach upon the church by means of a broad knowledge by others of such sin, one needs to make a public admission or agreement regarding the guilt of such sin. Confession of sin in the lives of Christians needs to be as public as a sin that has been committed. Private sins known only to God should not go further than that. Yeah, I have to disagree with that. Because of uh, the idea you may want to confess your faults to others who don't know anything about them. Well, so far as um, you got a person uh, whose life is just riddled with pornography and nobody knows about it, how can his brothers and sisters ever help him if he's not willing to say, hey, I need your help, i got this problem? Sure. And and this just the absolute wording of the statement, need to be as public as that sin has been committed, I, yeah, I, I would agree with that. But private sins only known to God should not go further than that. No, I think that they should go further, particularly when it's a it's a sin that is entrapping us and ensnaring us, and we're too embarrassed for anybody to know that we would struggle with something like that. That's exactly the kind of sins that we need to be committing to, committing, <laughs> confessing right. to to other people in order to solicit their kind of help. There there are too many people in the pews who are silently suffering. Because they don't think anybody else suffers like them. Yeah. They have a yeah. drug addiction. They have a drinking problem. They have a pornography problem. Right. They're sleeping with prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Nobody yeah. knows it but but them and God. Yeah. And um, they can't get help for it. They can't get help for it from their brothers and sisters in the way that God intended unless they're willing to say, hey, I've kept this a secret too long. And I need to bring it out in the open and get help. Yes, yes. And I, th- I think uh, Kent has, would uh, agree with that. Um, uh, he goes on, he says, um, sins known only by a few individuals should be corrected insofar as such knowledge. However, publicly, publicly widely known sins need public correction. How can a Christian pray for the forgiveness of an, an, another Christian when they have knowledge of such sin 
yet they are unaware of repentance in the life of that individual. Obviously, they cannot. Confession in the life of Christians is not designed to embarrass anyone. Biblical confession of sins has the design to make proper correction so that forgiveness can be extended. Thank you for your comments tonight uh, on that, Kent. All right. Um, any other thoughts? Now, I really believe in James five sixteen when he's talking about confessing our trespasses to each other, mm-hmm. that that's the purpose of it. It's, it's not so much that we're after forgiveness, which we are, but it's I've got a problem in yeah. this area, Clay, and I need, I'm having difficulty overcoming right. it. I need help with it because it's talking about the effectual per, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That's right. Well, how can you pray for me adequately, truly, if you don't know what my problem is? That's right. Just a general generic prayer is fine. But a specific prayer is better. Yes, and so is. I need to be going to the brethren and saying, I've got troubles in this area. And, you know, he said here something about it's not designed to embarrass us. We should be embarrassed about sin in our life. Yeah. That should be an embarrassment to us. But in order to overcome that, I can confess it. I can get it out of the open. I can get help from the brethren, good quality help, and overcome. And they, they can help me. That's one way God uses to, to assist us in overcoming yeah, but, our right. temptations. Yeah, but a, a confession shouldn't be a something that we're doing shouldn't we shouldn't others shouldn't treat us in such a way that wouldn't embarrass us when no we they shouldn't treat us in a way right, to embarrass right, us right they should I mean, be concerned should, and want to help us we should yeah. be ashamed and uh, if we're not ashamed of our sin there's a problem there but uh, as far as confessing we ought to be humble enough that we're willing to do that and i think right. humility is the key there yeah. it is the key right um and uh yeah um the idea of calling the elders there in, in uh, james chapter 13 um uh, when you're uh, or five verse thirteen and on, uh, says uh, there that you know that that's the the idea there. I think is that the elders may not know that I'm sick and suffering right. when I call them, um, and uh, and and I need to ask for help when I when that's I right. need it. Okay, uh, we're going to get a break and get this week's bullet point. When we get back, uh, we'll continue the, the discussion. We'll get your thoughts. You know, uh, if I'm going to be able to forgive others. I'm going to have to have certain attitudes. We've touched on some of those already, but we'll need to talk about them some more. What are attitudes that I need in order to enable me to forgive others as I should? We'll get this week's bullet point and get your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Recently, the mayor of Moscow, Russia, proposed fining local weather forecasters for their inaccurate weather predictions. In a Moscow Times article, he was quoted as saying, We are paying and would like to receive a quality product. Instead of that, you're giving us, and we can't repeat here what he said. Weathermen around the globe may literally shake in their boots over the suggestion of fines for missed forecast. However, we demand better from other professionals like doctors, lawyers, and so forth. Why not from meteorologists? Think about it. The next time your picnic is spoiled by an unexpected thunderstorm, you could sue the weatherman for climatological malpractice. Of course, such will never happen, but it is an interesting idea, isn't it? Along the same lines, we were thinking that maybe we could impose fines on religious false teachers. For instance, if someone is found to be teaching error on the plan of salvation, an instant fine of $1,000. Or if they promote an unauthorized form of worship, they're hit with a huge monetary penalty. If such a thing were possible, you would imagine that folks would become much more careful about what they teach and practice religiously. Of course, there's no chance that any such fines for religious malpractice will ever happen unless we consider the eternal consequences of teaching and practicing error. 
Jesus spoke of that when he said, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Matthew 7, verses 22 and 23. The fine on that day will be much higher than any will want to pay. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Jack. I am 8 years old, and this is Vulture Bible Study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the program. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeu.com, where you'll find out information about our upcoming uh, series of uh, gospel sermons and meetings uh, coming up this next week. You can also get in touch with us at our email, questions at collegeview.com. You can get a bumper sticker if you'd like to help us get the word out there, questions at collegeview.com. And uh, you can submit your questions or uh, comments uh, for consideration on a future edition of the program. We're talking about forgiveness with Clay Gentry and Monty Overton tonight. And uh, we've talked about uh, the fact that we need to understand we need forgiveness. We need to uh, confess our sins uh, to others. We've also talked about confessing those to God. And now, what attitudes do we need in order to have the forgiving spirit we should have uh, to others who may have done us wrong? Well, uh, first of all, we need to examine um, what somebody has done to us and see, you know what, does, does this really rise to the level of a one-to-one conversation or calling the elders or bringing it before the church? Is this really something I can overlook? You didn't say anything about my shirt oh. when we met tonight, Clay. You know, <laughs> you load you dirty dog? or I didn't like the way you looked at me. You just called me a dirty dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> This is going downhill fast, isn't it? (laughs) Well, Proverbs 19.11, a good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. You know, I've known people who take pride in the fact that they've never let anybody get the best of them in anything, ever. I don't let nothing go, and I'm proud of it. Well, in fact, just the opposite should be true. Now, that's not saying we're going to overlook sin. For instance, Monty, if you stole my car, yeah. or, or, Clay, if you stole my car, well, you know, I'm going to overlook that. Yeah. Has he got a full tank of gas? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. That's about all it's worth. Monty, you borrowed mon- money from me. You never paid it back. You stole money from me. Well, uh, you meant for me to pay it back? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to overlook that. No, if there's sin, I can't overlook that. Right. But you're talking about sort of just having our feelings on our sleeve. Right. Means, you know. You didn't treat me like I wish you, that I wanted you to treat me. Uh, those kind of things. Overlook them. That's right. And, and, and that's to the glory of a person. To, yeah. to not be one who gets their back up uh, at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's the first attitude we need to have. Now, beyond that, uh, Monty's already brought it up, uh, particularly when we're talking about Kim Jong-un. That is, that's his name, right? Yeah. There, there's three of them. I can't remember. Uh, we need to recognize that... Uh, Everybody has sinned and falls short of the glory of God, and everybody needs forgiveness from God. And so, as you pointed out, um, we may not be tempted in the same way or with the same things or sin in the same way, but we're all sinners. And so if somebody comes to me and they have hurt me, and it really isn't something I could or should overlook, I need to recognize that I'm just as much uh, in need of forgiveness from God and from others, as they are of me. And I can't hold it back because of that. Yeah. It, it, otherwise, we'd be uh, hypocritical, wouldn't we? That's right. And, uh, and like the Pharisees were, not realizing <laughs> that we that we were in the same boat. That's right. 
That's right. All right. The second thing I'd add to that is we need to realize that sins committed against us pale in comparison to the sins we committed against God. Right. You know, that's Matthew chapter 18. We talked about that earlier, but you're yeah. right. Uh, you talk, think about the ways that we've sinned against God, and you, uh, what you did to me is very insignificant in that's comparison right. to what I've done to God. Yeah, if you, if you just look at the terms that Jesus puts it here in the parable, uh, there's a... There's a there's a king who wants to settle accounts with his servants, so somebody's brought to him who owes him ten thousand talents. Now, whenever you read the word ten thousand uh, in your scriptures, maybe the King James might say myriad. I, I don't think it says that here, but but in other places, yeah. that's the that's the Bible's way of using an astronomical number that cannot you cannot just wrap your mind around this number. And essentially, if my research is correct, that's about two hundred thousand years. Of common laborers' wages. It's an it's regardless of the number. It's more than the guy could have ever paid. Ever. 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 And Even if fact, he had I, I a really good year on the farm. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so the servant falls down on his knees and he implores him and says, have patient with me. And so out of pity, the master releases him and forgives him the debt. 200,000 years worth of, of, of wages. And so what does he do? He runs out, finds somebody who owes him 200 denarii. 20 years wages. Actually, a number that would take a long time to pay back, but could actually be paid back in, in reality. And he chokes him and throws him in the debtor's prison and says, I'm not going to let you out until you've paid everything that you owe. Which which always didn't, I, mean, I never understood the debtor's prison. Maybe I'm not good on history, but how can I repay a debt when I'm locked up? But regardless. Hey, don't get wrapped. You know, <laughs> that's you know, right. We don't, he, that's the thing we don't understand, maybe. He throws him in there and... Um, and all things are reported back to the master, and he takes this man who he forgave this astronomical amount, and he says, you know what? I'm going to throw you in prison, and you're going to be tortured until you repay every penny. And, um, you know, when I think about what I've done to God, and I think about what people have done to me, there's no comparison. No, no. And the fact that God would forgive me of this just astronomical debt should compel me right. to just want to forgive the measly sins committed against me. Right, right. You've and had... that's not to minimize the hurt or the pain or the sorrow. No, but you've needed much greater forgiveness. That's right. And uh, to withhold the forgiveness is, would be unacceptable. That's right. All right. That's right. All right. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, we want to hear from you uh, tonight. Again, the chat room, if you can get another tab open there. And get to our website. That chat room there is where we can take your thoughts. Um, and uh, I think perhaps, and uh, you and I have talked about this in the past, uh, probably several years ago, Clay, there are some um, yeah. misunderstandings about forgiveness that can hinder people from being willing to forgive. Sure. Um, I think everybody's probably heard the saying, you've got to forgive and forget. Yeah. Well, you know what? I don't know about y'all, but... I can't purposely forget anything. <laughs> I've tried. It doesn't work. It, yeah. It's like the purple elephant trick. Yeah, Stop yeah, thinking about yeah, purple elephants. Yeah. What are you going to think about purple yeah. elephants? Yeah. Uh, I can forget the grocery list, <laughs> but you know, but purposefully trying to forget something, you cannot do that. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's going to be impossible with certain sins. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so if you've been holding back forgiving somebody because you think the Bible says you got to forgive and forget, that's a myth. Yeah. 
And if we want to have a proper attitude to forgive each other, we've got to believe the truth. And truth is, forgive. Yeah. The sin will still remain, or the, yeah. the consequences of the sin will still remain. The hurt will still linger, but we still have to forgive. Uh, some people will say, you know what, but if I forgive them, I've got to go back and act like nothing ever happened. That's just not true either. I I had a talk with somebody a little while back whose spouse had cheated on them. And she said, how can it ever go back to the way it was? And I told him, it will never be the way it was. But that shouldn't stop you from forgiving them. Now, we can start from here and make something better. It might not It might not ever be as good as it was. It might actually be bad for the rest of your life. But we, we're still called to forgive them. Or somebody might say, well, if I forgive them, I'm just excusing what they've done. No, what they've done is wrong. Yeah. It's very wrong. And they may have to suffer consequences from that. Um you know, not just judicial consequences, but relational consequences and familial consequences and the loss of a job, so economic consequences. It's not excusing what they've done. It's just forgiving them. Yeah. And we've got to get over these myths. They're called phantom Bible verses. They sound like they're in the Bible, but they ain't in the Bible. Yeah. And uh, we need to get back to the truth and, and knowing it and believing it and practicing it. Good, Monty. You know, we've got examples in the Bible of... Even though people, God says, I forgive them, they were still physical consequences oh, that went yeah. along with it. Yeah. They, David's the prime example well, of that. Well, the one I was thinking of is when the people, the children of Israel had the opportunity to go in the promised land. They yeah. sent the spies in. They rebelled against God, said we can't take it and whine about things like that. And God was ready to kill them all. And Moses interceded for them and says, please forgive them for it. And God says, okay, I'll forgive them just like you asked me to. But they're not going into the promised right, land. So right. even though the sin of their rebellion against God was forgiven, there were still physical consequences mm-hmm. that went along with it. And yeah, that's just absolutely. one example I can think of. And so we need to understand that, that there may be things people that do, do to this that produce such grievous scars in our mind and our heart that we can forgive them. We're not going to throw it up in their face every time we see them. That's right. Yeah. But we may not. I mean... Someone may have molested a child. I mean, that's a pretty yeah. big thing. And we can forgive them for that, but that don't mean I'm going to hire them to be a babysitter. That's exactly right. And and, and, and so <clears throat> we, we need to recognize that, that it's okay to have consequences because of sin. And we can implement consequences just like your example, but we can still forgive them. Yeah. Um, you know, it's called not putting a temptation in their way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and God has, as you've mentioned, God didn't remove the consequences of sin in other people's lives when they asked right. for his forgiveness. There right. are still consequences. And you know, the, back to this idea of forgiving and forgetting, and that people saying, I can't forgive because I can't forget. And so therefore there's something, I mean, I've got to get over this memory that I've got in order to be able to forgive somebody. Maybe a confusion with what uh, is said about God there in uh, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 34, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Did God, does God not remember that we've committed sin when he says that? Um, You know, I've heard that both ways. I've heard people argue the fact that God is the only only being uh, that can truly forget. forget. Uh, I've also, because he can blot out, we we know he can do that and erase it. Um, but I think 
I think the a better way of understanding that would be that he does not hold it against us. Yeah, he doesn't pull it. You know, not going to bring it up that's anymore. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that that would be good. Now, that's not to say that if somebody sins against us that we can't ever bring it up again. Because you have a you have a, a spouse or you have a person whose spouse has cheated on them one time, two time, three time, and after the fourth time, they they say, "Look, I'm done. I I, I you know what? I know you're sorry, and I forgive you. But you've done this four times. Um, I, we're, we're divorcing. I, I'm not going to do this anymore. Now, that person can't throw up their hands and say, "Well, wait a minute, wait a minute." You're not allowed to bring up one, two, and three. We're only talking about four. No. We can still bring it up, uh, and it can still be used to to kind of shape our understanding of a situation. But we but can't it's the throw it in We're not face. throwing it in their That's face right. all the time. I'm That's not beating right. you over the head That's with it exactly every time right. I meet you. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, you, in <clears throat> Romans three twenty three, in passage we already referenced, uh, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. Now, if God doesn't remember our sins, then he'd have to say, well, some of you have sinned who haven't for, been asked for forgiveness. Right. You haven't gotten right with me on those sins. The other ones, I don't know. Have you sinned or not, Monty? I've, I've forgotten. You know, I think, uh, I think as you mentioned, it's God holding that against us, bringing that up and, 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 and holding that against us. And that is what he's mentioning there when he's talking about remembering our sin no more. Yeah. So we need to emphasize that uh, forgiveness doesn't require us to forget. We're not going to... Allow that uh, to maybe uh, have us allow us to have a bad attitude towards others, but it will be impossible at times to forgive the sins that have been committed against us. Uh, Chris in Atlanta says we should always remember that God has forgiven us. We should always seek the best in others and be trying to help them get to heaven. If we are looking out for the interest of others and love them, it is harder or hard to harbor unforgiveness if they repent. We should also remember that we have flaws and that we should we want to be forgiven by others if. We repent. Thank you for those, Chris. And then Kent says, realization of the fact that at some point in life, all accountable individuals have sinned against God and need divine forgiveness, Romans 3, verse 23. Appreciate that, Kent. Uh, That certainly will help us. And we also should realize that we've needed others to forgive us. That helps me to forgive others if I realize I've been in those same shoes. I've needed others to forgive me. And, uh, And that will help. All right. Any other thoughts? Ooh, we're past time for a break. Let's get one quickly when we get back. Uh, what problems arise from failing to understand and accept God's forgiveness? Lots of problems can arise if we oh, don't yes. understand that God has forgiven us and appreciate that. And then uh, should we forgive others even if they don't ask our forgiveness? And if not, does that mean we should be bitter? Or it's okay to be bitter until they do ask our forgiveness. One more break, and we'll go to the top of the hour. Stay tuned. We're back right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said or with just about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. 
So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com, 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Hello, my name is Preston Jackson. I'm from Valdosta, Georgia, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday night. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program, going top of the hour here, going quick. Uh, a couple more things to talk about. Uh, we need to understand that God has forgiven us. We need to accept that forgiveness. Uh, and there are problems that arise if we don't. Uh, Clay, quickly, your, your, your experience with that. Sure. Um, you know, this is the one lesson out of the, the series of the eight that I had, so, I had more feedback than any other because people told me that's my biggest struggle. Um, they say, you know, I have a problem forgiving myself. And as I taught in the lesson and uh, what I try to teach in, in, in other venues is we're never told to forgive ourselves. We're always told to accept God's forgiveness of us. And, um, you know, David, David's uh, affair with Bathsheba and Uriah really set a scene for us on how to accept God's forgiveness because he did, he did something pretty awful. Yeah. And he describes it in terms, as we've already looked at, as being something very awful. Uh, but what we see in him accepting God's forgiveness is, number one, we see him, he didn't try to earn God's forgiveness. Uh, when you go to Psalm 51, he, he's just basically saying, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgression. It's you, you, you. Yeah. It's all about God. So he doesn't try to earn it. You know, there's two consequences that are going to happen if we try to earn our salvation or try to earn our forgiveness. Number one, we're going to realize that we can't do it, so we're going to give up, put, throw up our hands and quit altogether. Not quit trying to earn it, just quit. It's useless. It's senseless. Uh, or, or we're going to become a hypocrite. And mm-hmm. we're going to let everybody think we have earned our way. Oh, and that's the Pharisees of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we need to accept God's forgiveness and stop trying to earn it. Just accept it. But somebody will say, but I can't understand why God would do that. Well, you know, Isaiah 55, and we've already been to Isaiah a couple of times, but he says in verse 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, the righteous man his thoughts. Let him return that that the Lord may have compassion on him, and he will abundantly pardon. And then God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You know, I've heard people use that to try to help uh, console somebody's house burn down. Look, Monty, I don't know why it happened. You know, God's ways are not our ways. That ain't what it's about. It's about the fact that God forgives. And I can't wrap my mind around it. I don't understand the depths of His grace. But I just need to accept it. Mm-hmm. Because if I try to spend all my time trying to understand it, I never will. And I'll eventually just never accept it. Yeah. And then really the the, the big point with, with David and his affair with Bathsheba and Uriah is some people don't feel forgiven because there are extreme consequences to their sins. Has God really forgiven me because I lost my job? Has God really forgiven me because my wife left me and my kids hate me and the dog, well... The dog ran away. Yeah. Well, just because there are consequences doesn't mean that God hasn't forgiven you. Right. The baby died. Uh, the first baby that David and yeah. had died. The sword never left his house. Yeah. He lost son after son. And then one son after he died. <laughs> and so, I mean, you know, there was always constant friction in his home. Yeah. But he was still forgiven. Yeah. 
And what we need to do is we need to accept God's forgiveness. Now, after that lesson, somebody came up to me and said, okay, Clay, that, that's great. I hear what you're saying. I've always struggled with this. How do I do it? How do I make God's forgiveness in my life a reality? I said, there's two things, and David does both of them. Number one, he praises God. But why is it important to sing songs of praise to God? Why is, yeah. Yeah. Why is forgiveness. It, that's right. Why is it important for us to be in an assembly praising God? Because we're talking about just how awesome he is and how great his grace was for us. And then the second thing we need to do is we need to tell other people. We need to come alongside somebody who we know is struggling or we may think is struggling and say, look, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It's God. It's his grace. And he is calling for you to come. And he will forgive you. And he will help you. And he will strengthen you. I know this is hard, but he will give you grace for what you're going through. That's what Paul says. I got this sword in the flesh. It's a messenger of Satan. God's allowed it, though. But his grace is sufficient for me. And he'll help you through it. Yep. All right. Uh, quickly, uh, if you want to get a, get, a, get a call in, uh, you can sneak it in before the top of the hour. Uh, Chris says, uh, if we do not understand and accept God's forgiveness, we'll never truly be able to live at peace. Good point. We'll be stuck in the past and not very, a very effective worker in the kingdom. If we don't understand God's forgiveness, then we will not understand how we should forgive others, uh, Ephesians 4.32. Thank you, Chris. And uh, Kent says, by remaining in an unforgiven condition, one remains in a lost condition before God and outside the fellowship of faithful Christians, 1 John 1, 6-8. Thank you for that, Kent. And then quickly, before we get to the end of our program tonight, do we, do we get all your thoughts there on that one? Yeah. Uh, I got a whole lot more, but we'll, yeah, we'll oh, I didn't get all. I've got enough of them. <laughs> should we forgive others even if they don't ask our forgiveness? What do you think, Monty? Well, if we tell somebody that we've got to forgive others even though they haven't asked for our forgiveness, then we're actually putting ourselves as having to be, as I heard a preacher phrase at one time, more righteous than God. God doesn't forgive us before we confess our sins and repent of our sins. We have to meet his conditions. And so when we think about forgiveness, it like we discussed a minute ago, it means we're not going to be bringing it up all the time. No. All right. If we say, okay, they've sinned, but I'm going to forgive them, well, how can I approach them to get to try to get them to repent if I can't bring it up anymore? Because that's part of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And so I can't forgive them until they've repented. Uh, but I should be willing, eager, seeking their forgiveness or their repentance so that I can forgive them. Uh, the Part of the question <coughs> I ask, is it okay to be bitter until they ask us to forgive? It's never okay to be bitter. That's a sin. Right. So I can't be bitter toward them. I have to be willing, eager, able to forgive them and actively seek in their repentance so that they can be forgiven. But I can't be more righteous than God. I can't be bitter at them ever. I mean, no, uh, it's not my my bitterness or my attitude toward them is independent of the way that they're living, what they're doing, whether or not they want forgiveness of that. We've got to approach them with love. I mean, God loved us enough to go out of his way to get it where we could be forgiven. Yeah. And we've got to be the same way. That's right. You know, the, the, the gist of the question is, can, uh, you know, can do we have to acknowledge sin? Should we acknowledge sin? Yeah. yeah. We should acknowledge sin. Sin is sin. Wrong is wrong. And, and we should acknowledge it. Um, though I think a little bit better question that, that might be, that we all need to consider is, if somebody doesn't repent, then what can I do to show them a forgiving spirit. 
What can I do to be merciful to them as God is also merciful to them? What can I do to help uh, affect their repentance? Yeah, and, and Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 14, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Uh, look, uh, if you'll skip down to verse 17, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. To the contrary of sowing vengeance, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, a question like like I proposed, um, you know, what can I do to show my forgiving spirit is one that's going to drive us to action, not just sitting back, hands off, waiting, hoping. Yeah, I knew that, he was going to do that. Yeah, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, that's just I the way he's, he is. He's just, yeah, he's a loser. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's being proactive to go and to seek and I'll tell you, I think there's a really fine line between showing a forgiving spirit and being forgiving. Because if somebody sins against me and, and doesn't repent, what's really, what, how much of my attitude and actions towards them have really changed? I still have to bless them. I still have to pray for them. I still have to love them. I still have to be merciful for them. Sure, there is a barrier in the relationship. No doubt about it. I still have to call them out on shortcomings and weaknesses in their life. I, you know, there's still this barrier. But I still have to love them and be merciful to them. And the second part of the question is, how do you combat bitterness? By showing a forgiving spirit. You know, one of the things that militaries do when they go to fight their enemy is they come up with derogatory terms to name the enemy so that it becomes easier to kill them. Yeah. You don't go kill a human. Your friend. Yeah, your friend. You you go to you you go, you know. Well, um, you go to Vietnam and you kill gooks. Mm-hmm. You don't kill humans. Mm-hmm. And they do that to make it easier to kill them. Right. If if I think of my enemy, a person who has sinned against me and won't repent, in derogatory terms, and hateful terms then it's easier to hate them. Yep. It's easier to be bitter against them. But if I have a forgiving spirit yep. and I fulfill Romans 12, it's so much easier to love them yep. and, and seek to draw them back. Yeah. So they're, they're, not, they're not connected. Bitterness is wrong and is in, independent of how other, treat, other people treat us. And forgiveness is something that uh, is dependent on the other person uh, seeking that, that that restitution. Let's get Kent's uh, comments here. He says, there's no way that forgiveness can be extended to others who have not complied with God's condition of such, regardless of how much we desire to do so and are more than willing to extend such. Luke 7, verses 1 through 4, Luke 17, 1 through 4. If we have heard some well-intentioned brethren say we ought to extend forgiveness to those who have wronged us without their repentance... Uh, however, such a view places a higher obligation upon us than God places upon himself. One does not have the authority to do that which God cannot do. Also, forgiveness is the restitution of a broken relationship. <coughs> Excuse me. Such relationship cannot be restored unless the guilty one of sin, uh, the one guilty of sin, desires such a relationship to be restored. When an individual who is guilty of sin repents, we are not faced 
With an optional situation, we must forgive them. Comment on that, Clay. It's not optional. <laughs> That's right. It's not. Again, Give me a break I was, here. Yeah. I was actually thinking it. <laughs> That's right. It's, somebody might say, though, you know what? That's just too hard. I, I cannot forgive them for what they've done. It was just too bad. Do you know what Jesus calls forgiveness? How much faith do you have to have to forgive? Faith the size of a grain of mustard. If your brother sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times a day he turns to you and says, I repent, Jesus says you must forgive them. And in the same context of that, he says, and you can do this if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. And if you don't, don't expect God to forgive you. Yeah. It's uh, not an optional thing. That's right. One sister said uh, said to me, you know, it's like it's like your forgiveness gets bogged down in your bitterness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really like that a lot. I yeah. like that a lot. Yeah. Can, can I read one thing? I just want to read you two, one thing about bitterness yeah. uh, before we close out. Bitterness is seeing everything in your life through the lens of your hurt. It's turning from one from the one true God and worshiping at the altar of the false gods of hurt feelings, resentment, and anger. In fact, the phrase "root of bitterness" in Hebrews twelve fifteen is lifted out of Deuteronomy twenty nine eighteen. And there it's used of idolatry. So left if, if left unchecked, then God's forgiveness of us will become bogged down in our own bitterness. Yeah. And the only antidote, the only antidote is the forgiving spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I know too many people that worship at the altar of bitterness. Yeah, absolutely. Let me get a few more comments here from Kent. Certainly if a wrongdoer does not repent, we cannot forgive him, them until they seek forgiveness. But even then... We need to guard against becoming bitter, desire their repentance, and even seek to restore them to a state of faithfulness. Galatians 6, verse 1. Thank you for that, Kent. And uh, Chris says, God's word says if we forgive if they repent. Luke 17, verse 13. So there needs to be a repentance before forgiveness. We should not be bitter if the sin has not been forgiven. We should seek to help them and seek uh, and see their sin and encourage them to repent. So good comments from both Chris and Kent tonight. We appreciate those. All right. Uh, we are over time and out of time. Final thoughts, Monty? Well, I just think it's important that we understand that we have to forgive other people when they sin against us, when they meet the terms that God has set forth for that. And that's an obligation, and it's never appropriate or right to be bitter toward them. And that's that's just the wrong thing to do. We're told to treat even people that have been subjected to church discipline, we're supposed to treat them as a brother and not an enemy. That's true. Very good point. So in the middle of a sin they haven't repented of, we're to treat them as a brother, and we try to help our brothers and restore them. And that's just the way we've got to look at it. Final thoughts from you, Clay. Well, you know, I entitled this entire series, uh, Forgiveness, um, um, The Great Calling of Our Faith. And th- this is what we're called to do. Yeah. Uh, because the whole story of the Bible is about forgiveness. Forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. And uh, if that's what Scripture is all about, then it's what, it's what our life should be about. And uh, I know of no greater work that we can do in this world and extending the love and mercy and grace of Jesus Christ that's been given to us. All right. Thank you, Clay, for coming in and being a part of it. Get these lessons if you'd like to see Clay's lessons uh, in more detail. ClayGentry.com, you can find them there. And, uh, Monty, thank you for being thank here. Thank you, Jacob. Kyle, thanks for your time tonight. Appreciate having you here, although we didn't get to talk with you much. It's always good to be here, though. And uh, thank you guys for being on the other end of the line. We want to hear from you. Questions at CollegeU.com if you have any questions or comments about anything you've heard, anything you'd like to hear discussed on the program. And we hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day 
You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.